0: Fake, fake, fakety, fake. Hi, I'm Jody. And I'm Vienno. And welcome to Imperial News, where I spend my whole week listening to the far right podcast Rebel News and talk about downplaying tragedy as a political strategy with my friend Vienno. Mm hmm. How are you, Vienno?
1: I'm alive. Uh. Yeah. Not really much going on these days, I gotta say. It's kinda. It's weird being this. in this in-between state of like not full lockdown but not quite freedom to like actually do things and see friends and everything.
0: How are you? I'm okay. I've been uh going for walks every evening and uh trying to get into a, a better shape health-wise and so uh in that respect I'm doing I'm doing well. I also feel like I'm in that weird stage uh, the same as you but uh so long as uh, no more variants come around that seem worrying, hopefully we'll be able to, to pull through. Also, I've been taking like walks in a park nearby, and there's like been crowds of kids playing this new game where they like bounce balls off of a trampoline, and I have no clue what it is, but there's tons of them. Hell yeah! And they bring like little trampolines to the park. What? And the only thing that has me concerned about it is they do not distance. They are very close to each other and very sweaty and breathing all over each other, which is probably not the best thing to do during a pandemic. But like today, there was like 20 of them and like 13 like little trampolines, or not 13, but like a bunch of trampolines, and they are all just bouncing balls off of it. I don't know what they're doing.
1: Interesting.
0: I am endlessly fascinated by it, though. They've been out there yeah. every day this week.
1: Small trampoline dodgeball would be great.
0: And I guess I could Google it, but I, I'm just more, uh, I like the mystery of it, you know?
1: Yeah. Hell yeah.
0: <laughs> On that note, we have a long episode because, again, we're uh, still playing catch-up. Well, I mean, we're still playing catch-up. I guess that is a- aside from the fact that it's going to be long. Uh, it happens to go long because Ezra says a lot of uh, ignorant shit in this episode. So be prepared for that. Mm. But uh, I guess we could get right into it. It's the Imperial Roundup.
2: Hello, my Rebels. Hello, my Rebels. I'm a good boy.
0: I'm a weirdo. This is what happened on The Rebel from June 7th to June 11th. Ezra discusses the fact that Facebook has their own version of a Supreme Court. And he's upset that people don't get to have any say in its proceedings.
2: Facebook has their own internal Supreme Court. The thing is, you're not allowed to know who's on it, what the rules are, when they meet, who's in the meeting. You're not allowed to know anything about it other than what they finally decide.
0: Funny that Ezra only wants businesses to be democratic when he doesn't like those businesses. He then gleefully discusses the fact that Nigeria banned Twitter from their country, claiming this was in retaliation for Twitter banning the president of Nigeria from the platform.
2: Twitter banned the president of Nigeria from being on their platform. Just like they had done with Donald Trump. I mean, if you can ban the president of the United States from being on your platform, you know, you can ban anyone.
0: In reality, Twitter removed a tweet by President Muhammadu Buhari since it contained a Veil threat of war, which according to Twitter violated their terms of service. Ezra does not mention the content of this tweet, or its political implications. He only wants to criticize Twitter for being hypocrites
2: when it comes to free speech. Twitter, which had banned the president of Nigeria, which had banned the president of the United States, issued this tweet where they were outraged about freedom of expression. Hang on, hang on, hang on. You just banned him. And that was fine with your freedom of expression.
0: But whether the removal of the tweet was good or not, Social media companies are reasonably on edge, considering that Facebook was largely responsible for inciting a genocide in Myanmar. And I want to be clear, I don't think they care about the fact that they created a genocide in Myanmar. It's more that they're worried about the backlash of doing it again.
1: The province of Manitoba is allowing people who have had both vaccinations to travel without needing to quarantine for two weeks upon returning. Ezra claims this is a charter violation even though his fight-the-fines cases keep losing in court. He also fearmongers about a possible dystopian future where people can no longer rent apartments without proof of vaccination.
2: Even if you don't believe in it, take the drug. If you're young and healthy and think the risk of the drug is higher than the risk of the virus, take the drug. Or hey, it's your decision, you just won't be able to go places, see people, leave your house from quarantine. Pretty soon you won't even be able to work. How long until you won't have the right to rent an apartment because your landlord will say, oh, he's not vaccinated.
1: Even though housing discrimination is a very real and currently existing problem that has nothing to do with vaccines. Ezra, of course, rarely discusses real issues. He's only concerned about the issues that exist solely in his head. Ezra talks with lawyer Manny Montenegreno, who talks as if he knows more than health officials. For example, Manny claims that viruses naturally go away in the summer.
3: The virus went away in the summer as it does this summer. That's the science of every virus.
1: Health officials know that in the summer, people are less likely to hang out inside, making it harder for an airborne virus to spread. However, people still go inside in the summer or hang out in crowds, which creates a reservoir for the virus, which then will then spread in the fall when everybody goes inside. This is exactly what happened last fall. But somehow Ezra and Manny, with their law degrees, know more than the health officials.
0: Ezra continues to refer to the vaccines as experimental, even though they have gone through the same tests as other vaccines, just on an expedited schedule. He complains that the lockdowns were tied to keeping hospital numbers low, but is now uh, upset that they're tied to people receiving this experimental
2: medicine. One of the things that I've noticed, and it's been very frustrating to me, Andrew, is that there was a point in time when freedoms were infringed based on health care measures so how many people are in intensive care units how many pe- people are in the hospital how many people are dying in fact you'll remember the rationale for the lockdowns at the very beginning was two weeks to flatten the curve and by flatten the curve they meant we can't all get sick at once that'll overwhelm our hospitals we've got to slow the rate that we're getting sick we, we can't stop people from getting sick we, you know life goes on but we can't overwhelm the hospitals that's why in the states They sent those hospital ships of the U.S. Navy to L.A. and New York to take the overflow. It was never needed. But at least back then, Andrew, the test was, can we make sure we don't overwhelm the, the hospitals? That's not happening. Hospitalizations are down. Deaths are down. Intensive care units are down. And even cases, which is the weakest measure, is down. So now they're tying our liberty to whether or not we take an experimental medication. It's not actually tied to how healthy we are, is it?
0: It should be obvious that more people uh, getting vaccinated, that means fewer people get sick, therefore fewer people would end up in the hospital. But Ezra seems really bad at comprehending additional causal inferences. Ezra is mad that people who acquired a natural immunity are not exempt from getting vaccinated.
2: Yeah, and another thing I want to point out is at least when I was uh, trying to delve into the Manitoba vaccine passport, <clears throat> I don't think it contemplated people who are naturally immune. And by uh, by that, I mean people who got sick and got better.
0: What he doesn't seem to understand is that vaccines create a more robust immune response than people who are infected by the virus. And there are already peer-reviewed studies indicating that this is in fact the case with COVID-19 vaccines. Ezra claims that the push for vaccination is obedience training
2: I think this is a way of teasing people like they're doing a lot of obedience training a lot of conditioning here give take away make you grateful oh you should be so grateful you know you're gonna be able to go to a patio this summer rest you certainly won't be trusted to go into a real dining room but you can go to a patio so they're they're training you to be very excited
0: but suggests that most people won't get a second dose because people are catching on
2: in Canada Although the majority of people now have had uh, uh, one shot of the vaccine, less than 10% have had two. And that's the standard they're actually proposing to use for this vaccine passport. So that's another way of saying we're going to be locked down for an enormous time yet to come. And by the way, as people see that, you know, the, the deaths and the hospitalizations are down and everyone's back. To, people are not going to want to take that second jab, at least not everyone.
0: Ezra claimed that same thing for the first dose, but Canada has largely succeeded in first dose vaccinations with almost 80% of eligible Canadians receiving the vaccination.
1: Ezra promotes Robert Kennedy Jr. and Naomi Wolf as being leftists who are against lockdowns and vaccines, even though they are more liberal than leftist. Ezra uses this to then segue into talking to his guest, Janine Yunus, who is a self-described leftist and civil liberties lawyer who is against vaccines and lockdowns. Janine argues that people know how to make the best decisions for themselves. (laughs) Therefore, there should be no COVID restrictions. (laughs) This argument for personal choice when dealing with societal problems is a more liberal or libertarian approach. So it is a weird argument for this quote-unquote leftist, to make while appearing on an explicitly right-wing show
0: following up on janine younis self-described leftist she works for the american institute for economic research an explicitly libertarian think tank that downplays global warming praises the exploitative practices of sweatshops denies the severity of covid and is primarily funded by the atlas network and charles Koch. Janine, self-described leftist, also works for the new Civil Liberties Alliance, where she claims she is currently working on a case defending a Cornell professor who was denied tenure because he was accused of rape by a PhD candidate he was supervising and apparently had a relationship with, which is also not allowed. The NCLA was created by Philip Hamburger, who believes that church-state separation is a bad idea, and thinks that government organizations like the FDA, EPA, and CDC, etc., are all mini-fiefdoms and constitutionally illegal in the United States. He has also made videos for PragerU, an explicitly right-wing YouTube channel. Janine Yunus, self-described leftist. God. Total leftist.
1: (laughs) Of course. Ezra talks to Alan Bukhari of Breitbart News about the fact that El Salvador's president has decided to make Bitcoin an official currency. Ezra claims this will help El Salvador because tech entrepreneurs might now move to the country. But racist Bukhari must point out that they won't do that because of the high crime in El Salvador.
2: That could really pull a lot of entrepreneurs, especially in the tech space for cryptocurrency, to that little country, don't you think?
0: Yeah, and I think that's probably what they're going for. I mean, there've been uh, examples in the past of you know cryptocurrency enclaves, uh, you know, appearing in places like Puerto Rico and uh, you know, and, and small little countries because they are uh, because of the low capital gains tax, and with El Salvador essentially eliminating it altogether for Bitcoin, uh, that'll certainly make it an attractive destination for people involved in crypto. Uh, of course, then you, 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 there are other reasons why you might not want to go to El Salvador, namely the crime.
1: Bukhari does not mention. It that the high crime rate in El Salvador is largely the result of U.S. intervention and support for the military dictatorship, which destabilized the country and led to civil war for a good 20 years. But his comment also reflects the anti-immigrant racism he helped to mainstream within the Republican base while writing for Breitbart. Ezra claims that Bitcoin will never result in inflation, <laughs> since it is a limited commodity, and basically defends a return to the gold standard, but for Bitcoin.
2: Uh, because it lives in uh, on the blockchain uh it is less easy to seize and manipulate than currencies that are printed. There, There is some um, resistance to hyperinflation. Like if there's a limited number of Bitcoin that will never grow beyond a certain number of Bitcoins, you can't just double the money supply and cut everyone's wealth in half. And as inflation is really starting to tick up, I, I think some people are gonna say, why am I holding Canadian money? or american dollars that are getting less and less valuable
1: this ignores the fact that most countries went off the gold standard after the great depression for the main reason that it prolonged the depression ezra doesn't like the fact that the government has the ability to just create more money whereas bitcoin can't be created by the government but increasing the money supply is the consensus opinion of ending the depression which arguably had some societal benefit it also ignores the fact that Bitcoin is more equivalent to Dutch tulips in the 17th century or your standard market, multi-level marketing scheme, and that the bubble of a speculative asset is going to eventually burst. However, all of this is to highlight the fact that the economy is fake.
0: And that is the week! So we've, we've already mentioned this on previous uh, episodes, Uh, for those who have listened. (laughs) They're not released yet because they're still trying to catch up. But we took a bit of a break because of something that happened locally. And so this is going to be the time that we talk about it uh, in part as well because Ezra decides that he wants to talk about it. So I guess I want to just sum up what exactly happened, although I'm sure a lot of you probably already know about it, which is that a man named Nathaniel Veltman, who is 20 years old, targeted a Muslim family who was out for a walk uh, at 8 p.m. and ended up running into them with his truck and then proceeded to drive th- from there where he murdered them to a mosque. Uh, well, a mall that is next to a mosque before he uh, was arrested. And the fam- four of the family members died. The only member who survived was a child who's nine years old who now doesn't have a family. And I mean, I think this affected me personally in ways that like I almost didn't expect. But we've talked about on the show uh, the activism that I participated in, as well as Vienna in terms of fighting Pagita. Uh, but also I have, I have friends who are Muslim and it just sucked knowing that 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 happened uh, and what that meant for uh, my friends like Vienna who, who are Muslim.
1: Yeah, it hit really hard. And then the responses to it afterwards didn't help. Um, Just in terms of locally, a bunch of politicians showed up to the vigil that happened a couple days after uh, the killings occurred and said a bunch of bullshit as campaign speeches, basically, and just, like, ruined any possible atmosphere of healing. Um, and yeah, like, Jody mentioned that, like, the dude who did this was, like, caught in the, like, parking lot of the mall that is right next to the largest mosque in the city by, like, a lot. Um, and he was possibly heading to the mosque right for, um, Maghreb prayers, So, like, the evening prayer uh, right at, like, sunset, which is fucking terrifying.
0: I mean, it's worth noting that we don't have a lot of the details either of what the police found or didn't find or or whatnot. That is going to be upcoming, which we'll get into a bit of that uh, as the episode progresses. But it is concerning what he may or may not have done, you know?
1: Yeah, and what connections he may or may not have, because that's also largely unknown at this point. Um, And this is, the attack was two and a half weeks ago now? Like, it's been quite some time and pretty much no further details have been released
0: I, I don't know. I mean, the cops say that they're hiding it because they don't want to, like, ruin their case or something like this. And I don't know that to be the case. I, I'm i actually... I don't know how you feel about this, Vienna, but I'm actually kind of annoyed with the lack of release of some information because it's allowing for some of the stuff that we're going to cover in this episode, which is for people to uh, conspiracize and deny reality in this case because they're so... Uh, not forthcoming with the facts of what what happened.
1: Yeah, and like notably also like that his Facebook profile was effectively disappeared after this happened, like wiped off the internet by Facebook. So far as I know, not at the request of the police or anything, but just to cover Facebook's ass is also very like infuriating. It just, the whole situation has been pretty miserable
0: yeah i can i can second that i will say in terms of just uh positive things the not the political vigil which i which happened on the tuesday friday there was another vigil that was more community oriented and was I i would say it's wonderful for one uh vienna and i and our friend mo got to hang out uh but also got to participate in like Possibly tens of thousands of people uh, coming together in our community, mourning what uh, happened. So, uh, th- I mean, there's that aspect of the community at least felt nice. So at least we weren't left with the sour taste uh, of whatever that political rally was on the Tuesday. <laughs> it was uh, uh, kind of embarrassing in a lot of ways, but
1: yeah. No, the march was like it felt like a genuine like community gathering in mourning. And that was very, like, nice after the vigil and how shitty that was. But yeah, overall, would have liked for that not to have been needed, honestly. Yes. Um,
0: <laughs> well, I mean, that's the other thing. I mean, it's it comes out of a tragedy, but it's just nice to see uh, the community come together. I mean, the other thing is, like, I mean, in many ways, and we've said this before in other places which is just that like in many ways this wasn't surprising given the activism we already do in this town and the attitudes we already know exist in the city and so it it wasn't surprising but you still don't want it to happen you know and uh yeah and hopefully it doesn't have to happen ever again
1: i think uh, an important means of framing it is that like london is the is so much the like average city of canada that it is like a test market for products before they get released in other cities in canada and so like you know you watch the kind of rising islamophobia the rising like racism and hatred Going on across canada and like no shit. It's gonna happen. Something is going to happen in london because we are a microcosm of all of that like if you just condensed canada into half a million people instead Boom! You got London, Ontario.
0: So, what you're saying is, our racism is Canada's racism.
1: Yes, I am saying all these things are connected,
0: and and we'll have an opportunity to get into some of that with uh, the one the one good thing that Ezra will give us in this, but we'll we'll get to it. I guess we'll we'll just get into the the shit. <laughs> That Ezra offers here and I'll just I'll frame his motivations here just to sort of like lead us into it which is Ezra's main point throughout this is to put doubt as to whether this was actually a targeted attack on a Muslim family and uh, he wants to also frame this as the result of in his words a madman rather than someone who uh, orchestrated some kind of attack that is the sort of like tactic that he's going to take. So I'm going to run through just right now just a bunch of things that he said. He claims that this person has not yet been charged with terrorism, which in some sense doesn't matter. But as of this recording, our recording, he has, in fact, been charged with terrorism. Although uh, we've talked on the show before that we are I don't think terrorism is the best uh, thing to uh, be assigning people based on, like, I I don't know if we need to... uh, give in to our uh, surveillance state in this degree, like he's a murderer, right? But I understand also that the community that has more consistently been labeled terrorist in this country might feel some sort of sense of catharsis in having this person labeled as a terrorist.
1: It's frustrating because like on the one hand, I know a lot of Muslims who are kind of like, almost like grateful that he's like being referred to as a terrorist because like for once, it's not focused on them type of thing, but also like, yeah, it, who's it gonna harm? like it's not gonna help it's not gonna help us. It's going to it's just going to like further harm Muslims and black people and indigenous people and like anybody else who could be characterized as like against the state or, you know, targeted by the state already is just going to be hurt by this more because they're going to just use this against the left and people of color. Similarly, like, you can see with the new bullshit in the U.S. where it's, like, they're releasing things talking about, like, how, all anar- how anarchists are, like, domestic extremists or domestic terrorists or whatever. And it's like, hmm, I wonder how... Supporting the surveillance state could possibly come back to bite us in the ass.
0: No, that's that's my sentiment. Like, I, I fully understand, as I said, the like, it it finally applying to someone who's not you, in, I would argue, a more deserving way, but it's just like, what do these terms mean for the actual state? And we have to keep that in mind. So then Ezra goes on to uh, question whether or not he was looking to kill muslims in particular or whether these were random victims and he puts doubt on uh the first part of this that he was specifically looking to kill muslims by claiming that this family was not visibly muslim in any way
2: one question that will likely have to be answered is was he looking to kill muslim people in particular or was the muslim family he happened to hit just the unlucky random victims because If I understand the facts correctly, the the collision didn't happen outside a mosque or at a Muslim event, but on a busy street. Did Veltman know he'd be hitting Muslims? Did did he see people who were visibly Muslims? I I understand that the women were not wearing hijabs, for example. Is that a fact? I believe that they were wearing clothes
0: that might have visually seemed Muslim. I'm pretty sure that's been confirmed but but according to I think at
1: least 2 of them were hijabis. I'm not sure if the daughter was but like yeah, no they they wear hijab like it's pretty obvious and noticeable.
0: I, like I imagined it like I didn't see any reporting to say like for sure we knew but like every pictures that you see of uh especially the the younger daughter who died Uh, she's always wearing her her hijabi in almost every picture that's available. So it's like, why would in this one occasion she not be wearing it, right? I don't know. It's just like, again, like I'm trying to use the facts and evidence here where Ezra just gets to pull the shit out of his ass, you know?
1: Yeah. And the thing is, like, if you're going to be a target of Islamophobic violence, chances are you wear hijab. Like, that's what has been happening in Edmonton and Calgary every like three or four days at this point um there have been multiple attacks on muslim women in kingston since this killing occurred i think there might have been one further out east as well but like it's you know it is almost always hijabis or like in otherwise like visibly muslim whether that means like wearing a beard or having a beard and wearing like more traditional like muslim clothes or most often being hijabi like wearing hijab that's going to make you an automatic target for islamophobic violence and uh, i don't know just to like pretend otherwise or say like oh you know maybe they didn't know that they were muslim even though they wear hijab it's like, no, like, that's how Sikhs get targeted by Islamophobia as well, because people see a, like, person of color with a beard and a turban and are like, oh, that must be Muslim. Like, it's still, it's still Islamophobia, even if they're not Muslim.
0: Yeah, I mean, but even in this, like, I mean, there could be one thing in which the person was targeting them thinking they were Muslim without, like, knowing for sure or whatever. But like, as we said, it's, I'm pretty sure that these people were wearing things that would visibly indicate that they were Muslim but Ezra's claim is that that's absolutely not the case that he's he's heard otherwise or he like that's that what is the information that he's going on but it's like where did you get that information Ezra it's clearly like he just. He might have heard something somewhere, and since it conforms to his idea that this was not a targeted attack on Muslims, he's going to run with that rather than the actual evidence on the ground. He also then talks about Veltman's social media, which has been scrubbed as we talked about already, but Ezra makes it sound like they are covering up for the fact that this was not in fact an attack on
2: Muslims. I've seen no reports of Veltman's social media footprints anything he's said or done on Facebook or Instagram or whatever that might yield a clue to his state of mind. Facebook Canada says they've deleted an account that they think is connected with them. I wonder what they have removed from public view.
0: But this is where things get kind of interesting in terms of uh, Ezra not needing to bring up things but brings them up anyway. So Ezra says...
2: I'm also glad Facebook took down his page. If he were following or liking... Other pages on Facebook, those people would obviously be blamed, even if there was no connection to the killing. I remember that Alexandra Bissonnette, the murderer at the Quebec City Mosque, followed Facebook pages related to the NDP, the Separatist Party in Quebec, and also Donald Trump. Well, guess which one of them was blamed by the media for the murder?
0: And I can think to myself that the only reason he would say something like that is because he's worried that somehow this is going to come back to get him. Yeah. Considering that he's one of the main voices for Islamophobia in this country. Ezra then says Alexandre Bissonnette. So for those who might have uh, misremembered, uh, he's the asshole who shot up a Quebec mosque. He claims that Alexandra Bissonnette liked the Facebook page of the NDP, the Bloc Québécois, and Donald Trump, and then complains that the media only blamed Trump for the murder. I don't recall the media directly blaming Trump for the murder because he followed his Facebook page. I remember it more having to do with the fact that... Alexandra Bissonnette referenced anti-immigrant sentiment that was comparable to the anti-immigrant sentiment of Donald Trump. But what Ezra also doesn't mention is that Bissonnette also watched Gavin McGinnis, who at the time of the shooting was still employed by Revel, which again, I feel like he's afraid that there's going to be some sort of connection to him through this uh, murder in London, which is why he's doing this. Yeah. Ezra says he didn't want to make a political point about the Pittsburgh synagogue shooting.
2: When a Jewish synagogue was attacked in Pittsburgh a few years ago, it was a mass murder of 11 people. I didn't feel the need to opine on it as news commentary. I obviously am against the murder. It was politically, and in that case, uh, anti-Semitic motivations. It's a reminder that evil exists among us. But I frankly didn't feel compelled to make a larger political statement based on it, even though it was my tribe that was attacked, I guess I could have opined that violent anti-Semitism is not over, which would be useful to say only in that I think the media has stopped caring so much about it ever since anti-Semitism has become a de facto cause of the left, especially on campuses and in the Democratic Party in the States and the Labour Party in the UK.
0: But it is also interesting to note that the Pittsburgh synagogue uh, murder specifically referenced white genocide talking points, which Ezra himself has platformed on Rebel News, and that attack, again, was explicitly anti-immigrant, which is very right-wing and something you would hear on Rebel News. So it's, like, weird for him to say tribe here when he's talking about the Jewish worshipers at the synagogue, when a lot of the ideas that that killer had are ideas that Ezra has explicitly said on his show. So which tribe is Ezra a part of here?
1: Or explicitly platformed.
0: But then he goes on to say that anti-Semitism is a problem on the left, even though, as I just pointed out, this anti-Semitic killer in Pittsburgh was in fact right-wing, not left-wing. But he says that anti-Semitism is a problem on on the left, and that is why the media doesn't talk about it anymore. And I want to ask you, Vienno, does the media talk about anti-Semitism anymore? Yes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like Oh my god. Does he not remember
0: Corbin? Does he not remember the past like two weeks when we had the the yeah. or three, four weeks ago when we had the Palestinian rallies? Like I don't I don't know what the hell's going on in his brain. I mean clearly he's like really trying hard to downplay this shit.
1: Maybe Maybe he is admitting that, like, anti-Zionism is not anti-Semitism and that, like, they're not talking about right-wing anti-Semitism all that often, which, yeah, it is an issue. Like, that's, that's the main source of it, and that isn't talked about very much. It's always Corbyn or Palestine or whatever other bullshit.
0: So now he, he's gone through that. Now he wants to do the crime of madness. And so he compares uh, Veltman to Nicholas Cruz, who's the shooter of the Stoneman Douglas High School.
2: Sometimes it takes a while, maybe days, maybe weeks, to distinguish a political crime from a crime of madness or another non-political motive, such as someone seeking media notoriety. I mean, for example, here's Nicholas Cruz, who murdered 17 people in a Florida school a few years back in what actually became America's worst school shooting.
0: And I want to say, like, I don't know that Nicholas Cruz was in Ezra's parlance mad, but Nicholas Cruz was very anti-Semitic. There was swastikas on his uh, guns. He was anti-immigrant. He was homophobic. I mean, all these shooters that he's referencing and trying to downplay were all people who are fucking right-wingers, who believe similar or adjacent shit to Ezra. And it's like so frustrating to me that he would highlight these cases and not reflect on the fact that he's putting out into the world shit that these people then agree with mm-hmm. so he then uh, blames the shooting on the uh, of the nicholas cruz shooting at stoneman douglas high he blames that on the school system that apparently didn't adequately deal with this specific kid and then he calls the police uh, cowards for not stopping it fast enough
2: After that Florida shooting there was a political inquiry into it, it revealed how the school system ignored warning signs and it showed that on the day of the shooting local police were, well, they were cowardly.
0: I have nothing really to add to that, I just thought that was fucked up, so there you go. Now we get into uh, some really weird stuff. So Ezra complains that even though we don't know the facts yet in the London attack, there has been a very political response. And Ezra is mad that politicians are calling it terrorism and says they're doing this without evidence. And I just want to say that there is some evidence that this person intended to uh, kill Muslims that Ezra doesn't reflect on, which is the it doesn't even mention on his show, which is the fact that he was wearing a helmet, body armor. Uh, There was an interaction with a taxi driver that had some evidence come out about that, about what his motives might have been. Uh, The police charges first came out admitting that it was a targeted attack and then since then have, like, pressed terrorist charges on him. And I don't want to say that those necessitate that we have, like, that we know the specifics that the police know. But I have to say, like, I don't think the police would just come out with a charge like that if they didn't have some evidence to back that up.
1: If the cops could just be like, oh, wow, this was just some... Mentally deranged person, and we need to target the mentally ill more. They would have jumped on that so quick. Like, they would have been so happy. They, like, this is pure reluctance on their part to, like, actually refer to it, which I think is why they haven't released more information, because then they might actually have to do something.
0: And Ezra also never mentions the fact that we've already brought up, which he was arrested right beside the largest mosque in the city. Mm -hmm. So we have evidence, even though he wants to say that we don't. So then, Ezra is also upset with Trudeau for referencing that it was far-right extremism but like honestly what a, what a, what side would target muslims like this like <laughs> i don't think trudeau needs to have like an inside track like ezra thinks that somehow like the police are feeding him information or something like this that maybe trudeau knows something that we don't i don't think you need to uh know a ton or have police informants to know that this was probably far-right extremism also worth noting that in a speech uh, that Ezra plays on his fucking show, Trudeau mentions the Proud Boys, which I have to say are a terrorist group that uh, Ezra platformed the, the creator for a, a long time, uh, Gavin McGuinness. And Gavin McGuinness credits Ezra for popularizing him. So there you go.
2: We stand with the people of London and with Muslim communities across the country. We're going to continue to fund initiatives like the Security Infrastructure Program to help protect communities at risk and their schools and places of worship we will continue to fight hate online and offline, which includes taking even more action to dismantle far-right hate groups like we did with the Proud Boys by adding them to
1: Canada's terror listing.
0: And this gets back to, I think, the point that you were making a couple minutes ago, which is that Ezra compares the London attack to a man who stabbed seven people, killing one in British Columbia, saying that... uh, So Ezra says that six of the seven people were women and asks where the public reaction to that was. And he's implying that since it was all women, maybe this was like uh, an attack, a misogynistic attack against women. So why haven't people run with this story? And as I said, for was thinking that, for one, the police have been pretty silent regarding any motive in this case. And I'm sure if we knew this was a gender-motivated attack, there would be more, like, media coverage of it. But, like, the police are confused at what the motive... At least that's the public statements they've made, is that they don't know what the motivation was.
1: I genuinely haven't heard about this at all.
0: But, I mean, this gets to the point you made earlier, which is, like, if this was, in fact, a misogynistic attack... They're clearly going with the uh, the not that. <laughs> so there must be other evidence that they have uh, to, that would uh, allow the police to not have to, to make that announcement. Yeah. But Ezra argues that the reason why you haven't heard about this is because the person with the knife uh, who did the
2: killing was a visible minority. This guy, Yannick Bandalgo, if I'm saying it right, He allegedly stabbed seven people on the street, murdering one woman, wounding the others. Six of the seven victims were women. That could be a coincidence, I don't know. But there wasn't a national reaction in the same way there is to the London attack. In fact, the news pretty much went away in a day out there in Vancouver. There wasn't a national movement of mourning. It didn't get the École Polytechnique treatment, the Montreal massacre treatment, even though it was six women. I don't know why, other than my earlier point, crimes are not inherently political. Madness can be a factor, and let's be candid, please. The accused in the Vancouver stabbings is a visible minority, which doesn't fit the woke political narrative of what did Trudeau say, right-wing white supremacists, whatever.
0: To that, I have to say, is this, this kind of argument you're making here, Ezra, is the same kind of bigoted shit that leads in to all these people, uh, or or it feeds feeds the same ideological predisposition that all these other assholes have. Yep. Ezra then whines about the public gatherings that we had in London uh, to mourn what happened and contrast them to the anti-lockdown rallies, and he whines about the double standards uh, that exist between us and the anti-lockdown rallies and all that fun stuff.
2: The government of Ontario is brutally shutting down businesses, churches protests against the lockdown but they specifically lifted those rules for a memorial for the london family the abcells now i appreciate that i'm sure the community does too but either you say the rules are scientific and health-based or or you don't why is this funeral exempt but no other funerals are why is this political cause exempt but no others are
0: but then Ezra wants to talk about something which uh, was my favorite moment of actually the Tuesday when all the politicians were here, which is this moment where Dr. Munir Al-Qasim, facing the leaders of every political party in Canada, except for the Bloc Québécois, I don't know if they were there or not.
1: Uh, Blanchet was there, he didn't speak though.
0: Okay, so facing every leader and said, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim brother Bilal Rahal asked me to share final words well I don't have to speak each and everyone who's present here is a final word you all said everything that needs to be said except one angle I would like to share with our officials now there's a reason why they say the world is a small village every country has a foreign policy i just want to say whatever is happening in jerusalem and Gaza is is related to whatever happened in london
2: ontario period thank you
0: And Ezra describes this as the speech going off the rails even though, like, that was the speech. It was literally (laughs) like one minute of a speech and that's what he said.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: And it was cool as fuck.
0: And it was cool as fuck. And Ezra says that Veltman is a Dutch Christian name and refers to Veltman as Christian even though I don't know and Ezra claims that he's obviously not Jewish as if that matters for what, uh, Qasim says. And Ezra says Qasim connected the killing to Israel's uh, war with Hamas.
2: And then asks, how is it connected? Nathaniel Veltman sounds like a Jewish name, but it isn't. But so what? That seems to be enough for this imam. Was he some instrument of Israel? Did Israel get in the car and barrel down the street and try and pick off Muslims?
0: It's so obvious like how that, I don't think that what Qasim is like suggesting here is that uh, Israel uh, personally talked to the killer and told them to do what they should do and I think Ezra even refers to this as uh, Qasim thinking that the killer is some sort of instrument of foreign policy instrument in the sense I get from the context of how Ezra is saying it as if like Israel is like directly directing this person to do what they did and I'm like No?
1: (laughs) Yeah, like, amazingly, Dr. Munir was making a reference to the fact that acts of colonial and imperial violence are connected and feed off of one another, and narratives of Islamophobia in the media around Muslims in the Middle East affect Muslims in Canada and that, like, you know, the armed and militarized white supremacy that exists here is also the same one that funds the Israeli occupation. Like, they are intimately connected to one another. And, like, I think it was Foucault who had the idea or, like, first kind of framed the idea of, like, the boomerang effect where it's, like, methods of destruction in like the colonies of capitalist empires or empires in general boomerang back and come back home to affect those in the metropolis in this case kind of the imperial core that is north america like after the 2014 assault on gaza um there was an arms sale that israel showed videos of their new weaponry being tested on Palestinians in Gaza and use that as the sales pitch to sell those weapons. And, you know, the interconnections between police forces kind of globally and the Israeli occupation, because the Israeli occupation is a kind of constant urban war zone that gives police-style training, especially with the modern militarization of police, to police officers or just general tactics training for them and like you know like it's such an obvious like oh yeah these things are connected which is a connection that like the activists in ferguson made that the activists like at standing rock made like everybody fucking knows this if they think critically with any of their brain cells
0: you could even just put it in the the context of Ezra which obviously Ezra won't see it in himself but like you have in Ezra a staunch defender of Israel who has said on his show that to be Jewish is to support Israel and has been one of the number one purveyors of Islamophobia in this country who published the drawings of the prophet Muhammad uh who wrote a book called Ethical Oil which was basically uh claiming that getting oil from any muslim country is is a terrible thing and and there was uh his book on uh omar qatar
1: oh god yeah
0: like it goes on and on like all as ezra made his career on his islamophobia and he's pro-israel like these things go hand in hand for an explicit obvious fucking reason yeah and it's amazing because he responds to kasim by saying uh so you're blaming the
2: jews So you're blaming the Jews. I mean, it's one thing to blame Veltman, I get it. It sounds like he pretty clearly did this according to witnesses. Why he did it is yet unclear. That's my real question. But this wasn't a condemnation of Veltman. This was an explicit message to the politicians and the attendants. Absolutely clearly blaming foreign policy and I suppose Canadian support for Israel, blaming Israel. Israel? How is Israel to blame? Is, is it because Velman sounds like a Jewish name?
0: And I'm like, that is exactly the point that Qasem is making here. Qasem was not blaming the Jews. Qasem was saying there's there's connections here. That the that what happens in, in colonialism, settler colonialism, has an effect across the globe in how we then view the other, you know? It's it's not just uh how we treat people in other places reflects our, 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 how we engage in our foreign policy reflects on us as a people and what our values are, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's so obvious for him to, like, just completely miss the fucking point.
1: Yeah. I, but, yeah, like, no, you're right in that, like, he is missing the point in a way that proves the point. Yeah. <laughs> it's... <sighs>
0: it's, yeah, it's depressing. So, I mean, that that was his main segment about the London thing. But he goes on. But before we we move on to the next segment, which is also about what happened in London, I do want to pause. Because right after this segment, he gets into an interview with Andrew Lawton. And I just wanted to pause. Because they they didn't talk about what happened in London. But people might remember that Andrew Lawton is London. He he is a citizen of this city. (laughs) And, uh... He's also been a constant guest on Rebel News. I think he actually used to be employed by Rebel News and now works for uh, True North, I think. True North. Yes. Thank you. He ran in London as a candidate for the Progressive Conservative Party. And while he was running, uh, a bunch of people were doing like oppo research on him, obviously. But he's had a history of being a complete and utter Islamophobe. And so it's like, again, look at Ezra platforming the people that are partly responsible uh, for the kind of attitudes that exist in society such that uh, it leads to Islamophobic uh, attacks.
1: Not only that, but like Andrew Lawton was first a radio host. And so he said a lot of this on like publicly available radio when he was like being his Islamophobic shit stain of a human being. So, like, you know, not only platforming the same kind of dude who outputs that rhetoric, but platforming a dude who has for years publicly put out that rhetoric in London itself. That was the
0: shocking part to me <laughs> of having Andrew yeah. Lawton immediately after that segment.:
1: Just no self-awareness. He actually he ran in my writing during the 2018 uh, provincial election. When he ran for the PC party, so like I saw a couple of his signs around and it was just like infuriated every time I saw one.
0: I'm pretty sure he, he didn't do too well, thankfully. No. But I do want to highlight the other thing that I pointed, I, I found of his that was even worse was in the Toronto Sun. And this was on the 10th anniversary of Mark Stein's book called America Alone. And America Alone was a terrible Islamophobic book that, like, a concern trolled about, like, birth rates of Muslims and all this. And even in Andrew Lawton's 10-year anniversary response uh, praise of this book in the Toronto Sun, specifically referenced the increased uh, Muslim birth rates as a cause for concern uh, in terms of it being a threat to Western civilization. So... And that was printed in the Toronto Sun, which a lot of bigots read, so hooray. In case you're wondering, when we claim that Ezra is one of the biggest purveyors of Islamophobia, he, he platforms these people constantly. In fact, he worked with Mark Stein to overturn some of our hate legislation in this country around the same time that Ezra was being taken to the Human Rights Tribunal for his publishing of the drawings of the Prophet Muhammad. Mark Stein, at the same time, was taken to the Human Rights Tribunal for his book, America Alone. So, there's a, a nice uh, bigotry synchronicity synchronicity here? <laughs> I don't know what else to fucking describe that. A bigot soup that's happening here. Sure. <laughs> So then the next the next day Ezra wants to talk about Michelle Rempel for some reason who's a conservative MP and the main reason he wants to talk about Michelle Rempel is that she she responded to what happened in London and Ezra thinks that it was a woke response but before he gets to it he has to throw in some more doubt. So now now it's shifted a bit more. It's become a little bit more certain. So he claims that the killer had family issues.
2: Uh, I see in the newspapers today he had significant mental issues, was seeing a shrink, was estranged from his parents, was actually an emancipated youth, as they say, when he was just a teenager. He had flashes of violence going back years in school.
1: Ezra saying shrink is just like, fuck off, dude. Who the fuck says that? Like, I haven't... I don't think I've ever heard a person actually call it that in real life.
0: Uh, Or at least like I've heard like my dad call it that. You know what I mean? But like that was pretty much his generation. But then uh, so getting to the tweet. So now he, he further denied what happened in London. But then he gets to Michelle Rempel's tweet. And in her tweet, she reflects on her and she refers to herself as a coward for not calling out uh, what happened during the, the 2015 election, I think it was, where Harper was talking about putting in place a hotline so that people could call and report what they referred to as barbaric cultural practices.
2: While I've since spoken out on it, one of my biggest regrets in my public service was being silent during the 2015 general election campaign on the wrongness of the barbaric cultural practices tip line and the proposed niqab ban. Those policies were wrong to the Muslim community. I'm deeply sorry for not fighting it then. I can assure you I won't make the same mistake again. Well, hang on. Barbaric cultural practices refers to terrible things, including honor killings. We've had some of those in Canada.
1: The phrasing of, you know, barbaric cultural practices is also kind of another one of those interplays between how colonialism functions you know, within the territory currently referred to as Canada and, like, more abroad, I guess. Like, the use of notions of, like, barbarism or savagery or whatever were weaponized against indigenous people and also are weaponized against Muslims and other people of color. It's, again, you know, that interplay that Dr. Munir al-Qasim was very correct about
0: like Ezra goes on to defend the barbaric cultural practices hotline because of course he does and he defends it by referring to what he calls is like some sort of like ongoing honor killings that are happening in this country and it's suggesting now that since Rempel is against it that now she's defending honor killings which is fucking disgusting for him to even suggest that uh, that is the implication of what she's saying
2: this tip line was to help young girls who were in desperate straits. They wanted to be free, but they were living under a medieval style of honor. What's wrong with that? Is it the use of the word barbaric? Or does Michelle Rempel-Garner now think that those things aren't barbaric? Lord knows we have enough tip lines and snitch lines for things like people not wearing masks.
0: Getting back to what you're saying, like, notice the frame here. The idea is, like, there's violent misogyny here. Right? like, Or what I'm trying to say is, there actually is violent misogyny here, outside of specific cultural practices. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, misogyny exists. So when you specifically come in and go, no, this particular group's cultural practices are, are what we're highlighting here. When they represent such a small portion of misogyny in this country. Like, why? Like That makes it racist to have that particular focus, right? When, like, I don't know, maybe we should uh, find ways to decrease misogyny, with, probably without having some sort of snitch line like this uh, that per- particularly targets racialized minorities.
1: Yeah, like there is absolutely a femicide crisis in this country.
0: Ezra then criticizes her for coming out against the banning of the niqab and asks what it has to do with the murder in London.
2: Is Michelle rempel Gardner actually saying she wants the full niqab even in a court of law it's a pretty radical position and what does that have to do with a murder in london ontario and why is she asking for forgiveness what did she do
0: him even asking that question like this this whole segment here is him saying despicable anti-muslim shit and then wondering What this has to do with the London attack. Uh, Like, unironically wondering that.
1: Just an absolute dick. I hate... I hate him so much.
0: Yeah. I mean, like, the funny... Well, it's not funny, but, like, I I had already known that he did a piece on this, which is the piece that we just covered uh, about him just denying whether it was a targeted attack on Muslims. And... When I prepared for this episode, I didn't realize he continued out, like, through the rest of the week to talk about it. And when it got to this stuff, I was just like, this is worse than the first fucking piece. Because, like, him just, like, trying to, like, obfuscate it to, like, uh, you know, make it seem, like, try to say, like, there's no way it could be connected to me in any way. Where this is him just, like, being a bigot.
1: Like, he's incapable of, like, turning it off or even, like, pretending to not be an Islamophobe.
0: He's an anti-Muslim bigot. Yeah. He then says he expects her to be coming out as a liberal, which I, I find it funny because I think what he's implying is that hating Muslims is specifically conservative. So sure. Uh, <laughs> not wrong there. Yeah. And then he refers to Trudeau and says that there's never a crime or an attack on a Muslim that he doesn't immediately weaponize. So again, it's it's all just a political game in, in Ezra's mind. It can't be like that there actually exists movements that you and I have protested in the city that actively spout this shit and, a, and a, a program, a podcast maybe by someone named Ezra who puts out and promotes this shit. No, it's all political opportunism from the liberals. So there you have it. That is, that is the end of the London coverage. We're going to go just a little bit long. We could probably get through the rest, but uh, you know, we're not just going to downplay our local tragedy today. Ezra wants to downplay what's happening to indigenous people. Because uh, as we said, it's all connected. this This bit is at least silly. So we'll start with some silly stuff first. For those of you uh, who who might not have been paying attention, there was a statue of uh, someone named Ryerson that was taken down at a university that is uh, currently being referred to as University X by people, so I will continue that trend.
1: X university. It sounds cooler because it's like X-Men.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> the statue came
0: down and then they chopped off the, the head of Ryerson. And uh, I think the head is now at Landback Lane. So
1: Yeah, it is hung on us, like stabbed into a spike on 1492 Land Back Lane. I fucking love it.
0: And then they threw the body in uh, Lake Ontario, I think. Why Ryerson? Well, Ryerson was the person who came up with the plan for the residential uh, school system, basically. He was one of one of the architects. I guess I don't want to say it's all Ryerson, but he was definitely one of the architects of that uh,
1: system. Kill the Indian, save the child.
0: Yeah, I mean, w- what people are saying now, it was there to systematically... Uh, destroy the indigenous people of this country. And I don't think genocide is too harsh a word to describe uh, what went on and what is still going on.
1: It meets the UN definition, and that's the only real international one.
0: Ezra has Spencer Fernando on to whine about the, the statues coming down, and they complain that there's been no debate. Why didn't we debate removing the statue? And I'll just say, like... I've, I've had so many assholes online like come with this at me like, well, they should have had a debate. And it's like student council, the student unions, like almost every single student group on campus and every indi- and it was led by the indigenous clubs and groups on campus have been pressuring the school to both change its name and remove the statue for years years and this the school has just refused to take it up so i mean it's not it's not just about debate it's about the fact that the institutions of power in this country don't want to fucking hear it until you take the statute down yourself and throw it in a river mm-hmm. which is quite symbolic you know one hell of a debate throw the fucking thing in a river i think the point was very clear and i agree with it
1: yeah no just like After a certain point of time of waiting respectfully for a conversation to be had, sometimes you gotta, you gotta do shit. It is only when something is kind of forced into happening or a conversation is forced into happening that, like, the conversation happens at all in this country. Like, it is only when a scandal breaks out or a big protest movement or, like, you know, some sort of act of violence occurs that the conversations get to be had even for a moment in Canadian politics or Canadian media. Otherwise, they're kind of just swept under the rug and just like, oh, sure, sure, maybe these things happened, but we're not going to talk about them at all. Sometimes you got to tear down a fucking statue and behead it and stick it on a spike. Like, (laughs) hell yeah do that to every statue that exists
0: yeah exactly so every statue that exists exactly so like the next thing that they want to do is like uh guilt lefties by like what about lefty statues well
2: that's a good point i mean there's statues in this country i don't like there's a statue of norman bethune that's the canadian doctor who was such a communist he went to communist china and was a doctor with the maoist revolution there's statues for tommy douglas There's some good things you can say about Tommy Douglas, but he was in favor of eugenics. And by that, I mean sterilizing people who were mentally retarded, sterilizing people who he thought were low class. He was also actually tremendously against gay rights. Then again, almost everyone until a quarter century ago was. Spencer, I guess my point is, it's never dawned on me to tear down a statue of Norman Bethune or Tommy Douglas. I just don't think conservatives really do that, even for statues they hate. Why does the left get a pass on it?
0: So they mentioned Tommy Douglas, and uh, Ezra mentions that there's Tommy Douglas statues, but Tommy Douglas uh, was opposed to gay rights and supported eugenics. And I say, okay, like, yeah, sure. He was partly responsible for us having uh, universal quote like a, a universal type system of healthcare in this country which is cool but hey if uh the fact that he supported eugenics in the past and uh didn't support gay rights throughout his life fuck him tear down the statue i don't give a shit
1: yeah like <laughs> call your bluff it doesn't fucking matter it's very funny they they try to like do gotchas and like whatever and it's just like yeah sure i don't give a shit about a statue like
0: Now, there's (laughs) the one case, so he mentions also Norman Bethune, and the only thing he has to say about Norman Bethune is that Bethune was a communist, and to that, like, I don't know enough about Norman Bethune to suggest whether there is something in his past that deserves cutting it down, but if the sole reason is communist, no, fuck, keep that statue up.
1: I mean, the thing is, like, I still don't give a shit about a statue. You're right. Norman Bethune was genuinely cool, like... He developed um, mobile blood transfusions for the first time in history while, like, serving as a medic in the Spanish Civil War. And then he went on and, like, served as a medic in the revolution in China as well. And so, like, he's been recognized for a very long time in China as a, like, revolutionary, revolutionary hero and was kind of, like, only... In the 90s when Canada was trying to like make friends with China that I think Norman Bethune started to get recognized here
0: yeah Ezra's just mad that he supported the Chinese communists
1: yeah however sure I guess he doesn't need a statue let's not glorify individuals you know we, c- we can give him a plaque that's fine I don't give a shit like gotcha Ezra what are you gonna do I'm just joking because like
0: the only reason that he wants to take it down is communist like that is that to me is like a lame reason to do it but your reason is a lot better like fuck fuck statues generally i find this ironic i just want to pause here and state this fact that the things he cited that especially thomas tommy douglas believes in those are things that conservatives believe in so it's like they wouldn't want to tear down tommy douglas for the reasons that he cited, conservatives would want to tear down Tommy Douglas for creating a universal program. You know what I mean? There's almost like a weird, inset- like, he's trying to appeal to some sort of, like, leftist thing here. But, like, you wouldn't care about Tommy Douglas believing in eugenics. Like, fucking tons of conservatives believe in eugenics. It's kind of your thing. <laughs> Spencer claims that in the grand scheme of things, no one is going to hold up well. Which is, is again, in like, don't create statues then. Cool. But then he says, to fix the problem, rather than tearing down statues, we should just add plaques to every statue.
3: The problem is, you know, if you're just going to tear down these statues, nobody is going to hold up well as history goes on, right? If, if that's the standard. You know, none of us are going to hold up well. Even the most progressive politicians, as you say, Tommy Douglas, considered extremely progressive at the time, but not so progressive anymore, right? I mean... Pierre Elliott Trudeau, very progressive at the time, but now, you know, not so progressive in the light of history in the eyes of many people. So if we're just going to pretend the past didn't happen, uh, then that, that gets very dangerous because you don't learn anything. It would make much more sense to start putting up, I'd say, uh, you know, put up plaques on some of these statues, go into the good that historical figures did and the bad, you know. don't <laughs> Don't whitewash history. Don't pretend it didn't happen. But to just erase all of it and say, yeah, oh, we're just going to tear the statue down if we don't like somebody," that's It's a very dangerous precedent to be said.
0: And I'm just like, how is this a fucking solution? Like, can you imagine, like, especially someone for, like, John A. McDonald and just having, like, a book in front of every statue to, like, elucidate all the harms that he did?
1: Just nail a, like, nail multi-volume biographies <laughs> of every single person <laughs> to the base of the statue that people can kind of just pick up and go through, like, their 500 pages, each type of thing, and read about them for themselves.
0: This this one's my favorite, though. So then Ezra goes, or, or Ezra worries about the fact that we might have to change the name of cities now.
2: But you know what I should tell you? Charlottetown was named after Charlotte, the wife of King George Third, and... Victoria, BC is named after Queen Victoria, BC itself, British Columbia named after Columbus, we're going to have to tear down everything. It's it's going to be like sports teams where the only things you can name your sports team after are, are like animals or colors.
1: Fuck yeah, I want to live in city red. I
2: want to live in the
1: city of mauve. Well, let's go. <laughs> Beige city. <laughs> beige city nice
0: or i'm just like what like who the fuck cares i like i i don't know what it is i've said this so many times conservatives are obsessed with like words and when words change they get mad but like who cares so this thing used to be called british columbia now we're calling it Elkland.
1: <laughs> now we're calling it mountain town yeah
0: <laughs> Like, why would that matter? Fuck the
1: name of Ban. Yeah.
0: Or, uh, Greenland... No, Greenland's already taken shit. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, what, like who green the Greenland 2. Yeah, Greenland 2. Land of the green. Uh, it's just so silly. It's just so silly.
1: I would fucking love that. That'd be so cool.
0: It can have, like, naming competitions and everyone will throw in suggestions. Like it. Or it will just make non... Why not nonsense phrases? Like, we start naming a city like Gorlax, you know? Then it has no connotation to anything.
1: I don't know. What if people name their kid Gorlax and he does something bad, though?
0: Yeah, well, then Gorlax needs to change its fucking name. (laughs) (laughs) Spencer then claims that we know more about fascism than communism as a society. And there's a sense in which I think that that's true, because I don't think we learn about communism at all, not because what Spencer thinks, which is that he thinks that Uh, we're not told about communism because, uh, the elites want to make it so that we're not mad at communism. But I think the reason we're not taught communism is because I think a lot more people would think that it's cool. And if anything, the elites don't want that to happen.
1: Yeah. Or like you get taught about a sort of nebulous concept of authoritarianism where, you know, all strong governments, bad and scary, which, like, you know, some points are made, but they aren't the same kinds of bad and scary, and that's not, like, a, any sort of actual understanding of history.
0: But then we get to, the, like, the, the big nonsense claim, which is behind all this shit, and it's it's the most annoying claim ever, which is that Spencer says that we're, all these people destroying statues are just trying to erase history. No one looks at a statue and then goes, ah! History!
1: Actually, no. You see the statue and the whole history of his life and times are just instantly transported into your brain by Elon Musk's Neuralink or whatever the fuck.
0: That would be cool, actually. Then you don't even need books. We'll just all have statues.
1: I don't know. The ads would be pretty bad, I'm sure.
0: So now we're going to get into a a bit of... Now it starts going into the, uh, let's say, less funny area, which is that Ezra compares the canceling of John A. McDonald to a teenager being canceled on Twitter for saying something inappropriate.
2: Early and earlier, people in their teens, they said something in a dumb joke, and now they're a grown-up and they're being canceled for it. I think there's an analogy there. Was John A. McDonald flawed? Yeah, every human was. But to throw out the entire history, the entire legacy, because of something that in the light of 2021 looks bad... That would be like throwing out yourself because you're embarrassed of what you did when you were a teen. It's just, it doesn't work that way.
0: And I have to say, I, I get the distinct feeling that John A. McDonald did something worse than just saying something inappropriate on a social media platform. Like participating in a genocide. Orchestrating a genocide, more like it. Not just participating in it.
1: I mean, arguably just changing tactics in an ongoing genocide.
0: I mean, like, as leader of this country, he had some semblance in, like, orcus I guess the tactics, yeah, changing the the direction of the genocide in that sense.
1: And, you know, expanding it into nations that hadn't been yet affected by it. Like, you know, maybe maybe the deaths of people and the attempted destruction of their cultures is worse than a teenager saying a bad word on the internet.
0: Well, you see, but for the people who want to preserve history, it was all just a bad tweet.
1: We're just going to delete the tweet then. (laughs) Ban his Twitter account.
0: Deleting the tweet is the equivalent of destroying the statue?
1: Yeah, in the same sense that deleting Trump's Twitter deleted him from history. Who? (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
0: This the next thing Spencer says is just something that like I don't I couldn't even comprehend it when he
3: said it. Yeah, a lot of it relies on historical ignorance. You know, I think the, the example of the states is a good one. You see people all the time saying, "Oh, America, it's just it's a, it's a slave nation. It's all it's all slavery." Blah blah blah. I mean, they fought a gigantic war between one part of the country that wanted to continue it and one part of the country that wanted to end it. And if you look at uh, proportionally the amount of people who died, one of the the most brutal wars in human history and the side that was opposing slavery ended up winning and the country became a country that didn't have it. So the idea that people kind of, they forget that or they just ignore it like, Oh no, the States is just, it's all still slavery. I mean, they fought a war about it. Right. So (laughs) what? (laughs) I don't get it. I like, I'm
0: trying to think that maybe what he's saying is that we're not currently a slave nation now in America so therefore uh
1: the like we're
0: not racist anymore they are a
3: slave
1: nation though like
0: well i think part of like there's a lot of conflating going on in what he's saying which is that i don't think a lot of people refer to america as currently having slavery
1: legally it does but you know popular conceptions aside i guess yeah
0: and so for him he's saying that there's a group of people out there that like are saying that we're currently a slave or america is currently a slave nation but they're wrong because the civil war happened but then i'm like no one no one really is is saying that like people are aware of like what happened there and of course there's uh more nuance here to the discussion or whatever right But I think the implication of what people are saying when they say things like this has more to do with the fact that there's a historical legacy of this, which has implications for society today. Not that everything that happened pre-Civil War is still happening today.
1: I want to ask him his opinion on the Confederate flag.
0: I mean, I want to ask him why he went blah, blah, blah after slavery, which I thought was pretty fucking gross. I just, I had to say that as well.
1: Yeah, hate these people.
0: They then end the segment by sort of like talking about how political correctness is so like intense right now
3: that people are afraid to say
0: things in public.
3: This is a tool to control people, right? You talk about, uh, you know, people, you can't just cancel yourself. I think that's that's what a lot of people on the far left are really trying to do is they're trying to scare regular people so much and say, look, you must have said something or had some thought back sometime in the past that was terrible and oh, we could reveal that and we could... You know ruin your ability to you know make money or to you know, have a career so you just better be quiet and go along with everything we say and it's unfortunate working on a lot of people one, one way you can tell is that when people feel uh, you know that they're they're not online or they're not being watched or they're around people they can trust they often talk a fair bit differently than they do in public you know people are not quite as politically correct uh, behind the scenes as they are in public And so I think what you're seeing is a lot of people really being controlled by fear. And that never leads to a good place. You know, if you're trying to use fear to control people, then that means you have uh, an agenda in mind that's not really good for them.
2: Yeah. I mean, I know that under the Soviet Soviet bloc and in any authoritarian regime, you would have a conversation just with your tightest, most intimate friends and family. That would when you would have real talk, you'd be extremely (laughs) careful. And then you would have your public face with everyone else. I'll ignore the China
0: Soviet Russia stuff for a second and just say like, you know, self censoring yourself from being a bigot in our society is probably a good thing because most people don't want to be around bigots. So if you're a bigot, (laughs) like, you know what I mean? Like I like what it's almost like they're admitting we want to be bigots But everyone gets mad at us when we're bigots. So now it's like I feel like I'm being silenced and it's all political correctness's fault. But it's like, here's a good solution. Don't be a bigot. Look, I don't have to self-censor myself because guess what? Not a bigot.
1: The idea that people don't self-censor kind of all the time. Like, you know, sometimes you're annoyed with a person because they do something that is just like bothering you or like sometimes you know you bump into somebody on the street and they don't apologize and you kind of want to be like fuck off then but generally you don't do it because that's not a good person thing to do (laughs) (laughs) like so it's not just you know like you know yeah don't be a bigot also just don't be an asshole in general like people constantly avoid being like openly an asshole but, like, because they want to be bigots, then it's like, ah, oh, but I must be bigot. Because that in no way has anything to do with, like, me being just a humongous dickhead.
0: It's interesting to me what they themselves uh, self-censor and what their cool with self-censoring. So there was a segment that we watched uh, of Ezra Live quoting some jay-z lyrics and we did this on a a live stream which was hilarious (laughs) but at one of the lyrics said the word shit and ezra went to the lower register and like whispered it right and then he was like oh he sweared like you could tell there was like a a need to self-censor the fact that he was quoting a swear word in a lyric
2: well i haven't passed the bar but i know a little bit enough you won't illegally search my shit he swore
0: the reason I think the impetus between, like, behind those kind of traditional, like, censoring of swear words, comes from a polite place of sort of like polite society and politeness. I happen to think that it's full of shit and don't care, but that's where it's coming from. Mm-hmm. But then it's like that's the like a similar reasoning is happening when it comes to the other shit that they want to be able to say. It's just that those used to be acceptable at some point and now today we're like no that's not polite don't be an asshole don't say bigoted shit to people but they're still self-censoring about the like taboo like oh can't say shit (laughs) yeah and yet they still want to say like fucking bigoted shit
1: exactly like that was a better way of i think phrasing what i was trying to say as well like it's just i feel like there has to be like that little tiny bit of self-awareness in it too like They know that they're like they have that understanding of self-censorship and they're fine with it in cases where they can be like, oh, my genteel manners are so polite and good. But like the second that has to apply to treating other humans with respect, it just like falls apart.
0: So to end his interview with Spencer, uh, Ezra ends by supporting Jason Kenney for standing up for the statues Which is weird because the previous week he criticized Jason Kenney for all the lockdowns and saying that he's no longer his friend. So, (laughs) Now we get into what was a lot more gross in terms of uh, what's going on with uh, indigenous communities right now. So the city of Victoria has canceled Canada Day celebrations. Uh, Victoria is in the province of British Columbia and... Ezra starts by making some weird fucking claim that Indigenous people
2: are the most Canadian people. By the way, can you see what Lisa Helps has done? She has otherized First Nations people. She's said, because of what happened there, we're not going to celebrate Canada Day. Well, who are you to say that? Aboriginal people, Indigenous people, are just as Canadian as anyone else. In fact, you could say they're the most Canadian people that were here first
0: and he refers to canceling canada day as kicking out indigenous people
2: you are deciding that there will be no canada day because of an issue on a first nation who the hell are you to kick them out you have made them the other you have kicked them out i don't even think she's realizing that
0: and i'm sure you could find an indigenous person that might agree somewhat with some of what ezra is saying here But a lot of the indigenous communities are the ones explicitly lobbying city halls to stop these celebrations. So maybe they matter?
1: Just like the paternalism of like it's a thing that like media commentators do a lot where they're like Canada's indigenous people and like blah 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 and like that sort of framing of indigenous people as wards of the state which was exactly what the like residential school system was built to do what the like shitty understandings of like a lot of the treaties and stuff like that were intended to do was like make them wards of the state that could then be you know assimilated into the pro the colonial project that is canada and then like ezra just you know comes out and openly saying it basically as like indigenous people are the most Canadian because they are owned by Canada.
2: Oh, he, he, he gets worse than that.
1: Oh, I'm sure he will.
2: Now the press release was written to create an emotional reaction and it sure did. I mean, Jody Wilson-Raybould, one of my favorite people, she read the press release and assumed that 250 children were killed. <laughs> that Just wasn't in the press release. Many other media assumed it meant mass graves like a calamity that was covered up. That was later corrected. You'll see a full report by our West Coast reporter, Drea Humphrey on this. She went to Camp Loops to do a deep dive on the story. Drea's is very compassionate. And does a great job of the story. And I, I wanna learn more about it. I know she does too. One of the questions we'd like to know is, was this a regular cemetery? The school was around for almost a century. People, including children do die, especially hundred years ago naturally from diseases, from accidents? Was it like a normal cemetery like that? That was maybe just lost in time? Or was there something criminal or negligent about it? Who who were they buried there? Was it like over the course of 100 years? I'm really curious and I wanna keep an open mind. I think any policy that takes children away from their parents to raise them in a culturally different way, I think that's offensive to our values of freedom and family unity. However, I have to say I do know several graduates of these Indian residential schools who tell me it was the best thing to happen to them, really. Like a boarding school, one that gave them many practical skills for modern life, they tell me. One senior lawyer in Edmonton told me it actually saved his life and it put him on a path. He said he'd never have been a lawyer without it. That's what he says. But look, let's keep an open mind to what's going on in Cambridge. Let's see what the facts actually are. Dre's got a great report coming up on that. But does any of this justify renouncing our whole country?
1: I hate this dude so much. I hope he catches COVID so so bad. That's all I want from life.
0: Yeah, it was it was pretty uh disgusting hearing that come out of his mouth. And then I mean it should be obvious uh to everyone here that the these families knew that their children had died and they never came home now they had the children taken away from them without their consent in the first place or often coerced and then for for Ezra to just be like oh they just it was just a natural thing they just passed away which is to ignore the whole fact of why these people were there in the first place why these children were there in the first place it's gross and and it's complicit in an ongoing genocide in this fucking country, to be honest.
1: It is. It's praising it, really.
0: Yep. Ezra then gets uh, mad at the mayor of Victoria for criticizing the queen.
2: When she was first elected mayor way back in the day, she refused to give the traditional oath of allegiance to Queen Elizabeth. Of course. I mean, this radical mayor only worships herself and power. But here's the thing, it's Queen Elizabeth who is our queen her delegate is, delegate is our head of state, the governor general, and then there's the lieutenant governors. Any power that Lisa Helps thinks she can wield doesn't come from her herself. It's not just from the people, it's through our constitutional system, which is a constitutional monarchy. Any power she has is through the queen and her delegates. You, you, you can't say, I wanna be a mayor in the system, but then decline, to be part of this system or give loyalty to this system. Let me put it another way. You can't insist on being paid as mayor and taking coins and bills with the picture of the queen on them as your salary and sending stamps with pictures of the queen on them as your mail and using a passport with a queen's letter in it. You can't use all these accoutrements and benefits of being in Canada and then say you don't believe in any of those things. I mean, you can. Mayor Lisa Helps is doing that, but she's just a lying hypocrite then.
1: Just... Nonsense.
0: Not only is it nonsense, so he's uh, Ezra then goes on to say that he understands people who don't want to be part of a monarchy, he refers to them as
2: republicans. And I understand some people who who want a republic and they don't want a queen from thousands of miles away. Although, for example, uh, her late husband uh, visited Canada 70 times, um, uh, as uh, in his uh, royal role. I think he loved Canada very much. In fact, I think that, uh, That Prince visited Alberta more than Justin Trudeau ever has. Um, So I I would disagree with those who want to throw out the Queen. Um, But I get it. If you're a Republican, you want to do something different. But denying Canada Day itself, I somehow doubt a single person who works for the city of Victoria will decline to take Canada Day off work.
0: And I'm like, how the fuck is, how is a, a Republican who becomes a mayor and is against the Queen... Any more or less hypocritical than the fucking current mayor of Victoria for not liking the queen.
1: Ezra is calling for the foundation of a Canadian Republican army.
0: No, he's he's against the Republic.
1: He's okay with them. He's okay with that kind of anti-monarchy.
0: Well, I mean, he's saying he understands it.
1: Yeah, I'm just (laughs) trying to say anything. (laughs) Like...
0: No, it's so nonsense. Because
1: otherwise, you're just like, fuck off. Like, that's all I have, you know?
0: You know, sometimes fuck off is good enough. (laughs) Yeah. Ezra then, you know, also calls them hypocrites for taking Canada Day off, even though they're cancelling Canada Day celebrations. And it's like, you know, fuck, we only have so many days off in the year. Like, I don't care. Like, criticize Canada Day and take it off. Do it.
1: Also, it's a federal holiday. Like, Victoria can't do anything about it being a holiday. <laughs> they can't mandate people go to work. <laughs>
0: like I didn't even think about it at that level, but you're right. Even if they wanted to, they couldn't do anything about it.
1: I don't know. They could break off from Canada. That'd be something.
0: True. Right. Okay. Yes. But even that. So then, Ezra gets back to the silly shit where he's like. Oh, what are they going to, are they going to name Victoria something else? Because Victoria is named after Queen Victoria. And once they change Queen Victoria, won't they have to change the name of British Columbia? Because British, because of Britain, and then Columbia, because of Columbus. So like, are we going to have to change the name of the entire province? Yes. And then he says, If
2: you can destroy a statue of the man who founded the country, John A. Macdonald, whatever his flaws, then you surely mean to destroy the country he founded.
0: And to that I say,
1: Yes.
2: Yes!
1: <laughs> yes. Yes. Please.
0: going to uh i'm going to quickly promote a gofundme it'll be in the show notes it's for our friend michael buchert michael buchert basically called someone alt-right and the person was someone who went on gavin McGuinness's show gavin mcginnis created the proud boys anyways this person that michael buchert called alt-right is suing michael for uh being called alt-right and uh Michael tried to put in an anti-slap motion, which sl- anti-slap motions are supposed to fight what are called strategic lawsuits against public participation. So basically, this asshole who wanted to sue Michael was trying to silence him. But for whatever reason, the judge declined the anti-slap motion, which means that Michael now has to go to court. So he's looking for funds. The last I checked, he was at just above 30000 His goal is 50000 We'll, again, link the uh, GoFundMe in the show notes. Please go donate to it. The reason why it's important to us is because, you know, we deal with bigots. We're going to call them bigots. Eventually, one day, one of them might want to try to sue us. And I hope that the same love and community that exists to help Michael here will be reciprocated and help us in the future. So there is a very personal thing for that. But then also... What's happening to Michael is shitty and deserves uh, helping. And I I love the idea of this community that fights right-wing assholes like this having the solidarity to support each other, considering the opposite side is very litigious. So please go donate to Michael. Hopefully he wins his case. Hopefully that'll set a precedent so that these assholes will leave us alone. And uh, yes, thank you. But uh, Vienno has something else to promote as well.
1: Because we're talking about just the heinous shit that the state of Canada has done to Indigenous people since its inception, I'm just, we're just going to link the uh, donation page to Atlosa Family Healing Services, uh, which is the local Indigenous community center here in London. Uh, It was founded in 1986 to promote the physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual needs of First Nations men, women, and children. Uh, They run some shelters uh, for Indigenous people. They run a women's shelter, a homeless shelter, and also some supportive housing for urban Indigenous people in London. They could really use support. Uh, So please donate to them. And then also, I'm kinda testing out a new ending segment as well. Hell yeah! Uh, for, as part of our little, like, proactive stuff, um, of just, like, posting an article that, like, I think is really good reading at the end of each episode, uh, to just kind of, like, help people to educate themselves, I suppose. In doing so, uh, the article that we're, that I'm posting this week is, uh, Decolonization is Not a Metaphor by Eve Tuck and K. Wayne Young. It's just a really good article that I think serves as a very good reminder that decolonization is not a metaphor for social justice or civil rights within the colonial state. It is a call for the destruction of said colonial state. It is a call for a complete overturning of the colonial order. And not a call for further integration of indigenous people into the state that has destroyed their traditional relationships with land and their own people and languages and everything. Um, It's a really excellent article, highly recommend it. I think it's like 25 pages, so it is a little bit of a longer one, but just fantastic reading.
0: I enjoy reading, so I look forward to the segment for what you bring every week. Woohoo! And if you support and enjoy what you have heard so far, please give us a few bucks over on patreon.com slash imperialnews. If you want to stay informed about what we're doing, you can also find us on Twitter at imperialnews with a Z. We have a private Facebook group called Imperial News. We also have a Discord set up, and we'll be doing Twitch streams every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can find all the links to our social media stuff in the show notes. Lastly, you can email us any question at imperial.fake.news at gmail.com. Special thanks to my friend Mason Tickle for the transition beats. You can find his work at striatum.bandcamp.com. Also, head in a box on Facebook. Thank you for listening. And Canada Day. Yeah, canceled.
1: Fuck Canada Day.
0: Okay, all of Canada. Fuck it. Let's... (laughs) Listen when I wrote it Hell yeah. I immediately I immediately had the Canada Day story stuck in my head but cancel the whole fucking country
2: Albumbia Alhambia how lovely are your wheat fields